Bulls face a lot of tough decisions that need to be answered in some for, shape, form, or fashion this offseason. We're going to talk about what I think are some of the biggest things that need to be addressed for the Chicago Bulls this offseason. We're also going to continue our player evaluations with Kobe White. We're going to get into all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. If you want to follow me, you can do so right off the top at CEO Hayes. If you want to follow the show, you can do so at Bulls Central Pod. Let's go ahead and get into it. So the Bulls face an offseason in which they have a lot of things that they need to look at, address, solve, and really try to, while not going full rebuild, which AK has already said they're not going to do, really find a way to retool, change the shot profile, which has become uh, AK's new buzzword, but really just to kind of evolve this team, right? To get this team with the with primarily probably the same core and and really increase, right? And so, yeah, we have questions as far as free agents. Nikola Vucevic, who, if he does decide to walk, is going to leave a huge, uh, you know, void for the Bulls to fill. But when we look outside of that, right, and, and, and you know, some of these are if Vooch does stay. Um, but one thing, we need a two-way power forward who has solid help defense. When you look at the Chicago Bulls, the fact that we don't block a lot of shots, the fact that we need rim protection, bringing in a, a, a player that can play the four position, not necessarily a starter because I still do think that maybe Patrick Williams is probably going to end up being the starting power forward going into next season. But again, with Billy Donovan, you never know. We are just as equally likely as Kevin Hart to be our starting power forward next season. But with that said, right, we need a two-way power forward that maybe even can play the 4-5 or 3-4 to kind of maximize on what they can do in the, in the potential lineups that they can bring. But we need them to have solid help defense. When you look at the Chicago Bulls, pick and roll defense, has, even though we are a top five defensive team, those are areas that we struggle in. If we can bring in a two-way power forward, or like I said, three slash four, four slash five, whatever it ends up being, that could really hold down both roles, be a fit next to Vooch if it does come and we do end up keeping Vooch, that's going to really help the Chicago Bulls defense. They're also going to help that Chicago Bulls um, shot profile that AK said that he wants to change. Also, the lineup and coaching issues. Now, some of this may be changed just by the nature of like the first thing that I noticed, right? But we do have just weird lineups. I know that Billy Donovan fell in love with the Alice Caruso as the starting power forward lineup uh, last year with Patrick Beverly. Uh, with Patrick Beverly's recent uh, uh, comments on his contract, it's brought into doubt if he comes back. But whatever the Bulls do there, I, I just I hope that we can have a more traditional lineup, right? A more traditional, on top of that, everything else. When you look at the Bulls, yes, we had an efficient offense. When you talk about our field goal percentage, things like that, we need to change some of those things. But I do think that, you know, with adding more size to this roster, having a roster that makes a little bit more sense, it can help Billy Donovan not go small. Now, I've always said this, right? You have to kind of insulate this roster against Billy Donovan and his philosophies to go small some. But as long as Billy Donovan is going to go small ball, and that seems to be a thing that may be a constant thing here, uh, we'll see if it comes out of that. But we need to improve the lineup. We need better coaching decisions. And listen, Billy Donovan, for every game that, he, that we sit there and we'll talk about the lack of scheme, we'll talk about the lack of adjustments, he'll have a game in which he makes great adjustments, right? Like the, the Memphis Grizzly game, he made great adjustments in the second half of that game. It's just not consistent enough. And I really hope that with the hopefully improved roster, right, as far as just more balance and a more traditional uh, style lineup there, um, that it, it Billy Donovan can coach a little bit better. We need better leadership as well. You need high IQ basketball players to kind of offset some of the things Billy Donovan does. 
And I do think that when we have a communicator out there on the defensive side of the ball and offensive side of the ball, for that matter, it really helps the offense flow that we don't have the most creative scheme because of coaching. But coaching issues are absolutely a thing with this roster that we know we're not changing the coach. That's not happening. So by hopefully by by bringing in a <laughs> changing that lineup some, it helps insulate some against Billy Donovan shooting. Another thing, I already know I already talked about a two-way power forward that has great help defense, but overall, we need shooting on this team as well. We need we need big shooting, right? And so I, you know, me and Pat over on Locked on Bulls talked about it today, like how how shooting can really help change this team. And, you know, while I don't think just shooting alone will make this team uh, you know, all of a sudden a 40, 48 win team or closer to a 50 win team, I do think by adding the correct shooters, shooters that can take make three points at a high percentage, maybe not be hugely volume three-point shooters just because there's not going to be a lot of shots to go around with DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, and, and Kobe White on the team. There's not going to be a lot of shots to go around, but we need efficient three-point shooters who can come in, understand their role, and just ex- and just excel at that, right? we Over on Lockdown Bulls, we had a, like a list of, of shooters at the point guard position, but I'm not even just talking about a point guard. A three and wing, a three and D wing can help a lot with that, right? A power forward that does have that two-way power forward. If they also are a threat to stretch the floor, it can help with that. But either way, we need more shooting. We need to run Zach Levine off more catch and shoots as well. Hopefully, Kobe White's, you know, second half of the season after the All-Star break and how that shooting comes around is going to be a more consistent thing for him this season. But we all know we need shooting. And then lastly, the point guard issue. AK said that, hey, last season he didn't have enough information. He came in the last season really expecting that Lonzo Ball eventually was going to make his return. We now know that there's more likely than not, Lonzo was not playing next season. And because of that, you have to go out and get a point guard this season. Now, there is something to talk about Kobe White, and we'll, in our player evaluation, we'll talk about Kobe White's potential to be the starting point guard there. But either way, even if you move Kobe into that starting lineup, we still need more point guard depth off the bench. And I know we have a heavy guard rotation. So people may be saying, Hayes, what are you talking about? But we need a point guard that can truly run and operate that offense in both the starting lineup and on the bench. Kobe did a pretty damn good job at really having, when things went through him, playmaking some um, coming off the bench. Him and Patrick Williams, when Patrick Williams did a little bit, had a little bit more things going through him, or can be good at that. The fact of the matter is, we need a point guard. And so when you look at the things, right, and kind of where we sit at and how we got here, and, you know, I've been in this place of really kind of reevaluating some of the moves AK made early in this in his tenure with the Bulls. And you look at that first season, uh, trading for, for Vooch, and then bringing in DeMar, bringing in Lonzo, and things like that. And really, when you look at it, we, are we, we're almost at the same place that we would have been had we kept Laurie, had we kept Wendell. Like, you could talk yourself into... Would this team have been a 40-win team by now? With that team just continuity being a thing, the youth of that team, then at, at this point now, having younger players to trade for assets, like, there's a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda there. And I'm not really somebody who reevaluates every move a GM makes every single year, but, you know, with when I understand why AK did what he did. But the fact of the matter is, it did not work out the way that he thought it was going to. And hopefully we see another season of AK getting creative and to fix some of those issues. Now, some of them were outside of AK's control. We didn't, like, yes, I know everybody says, you signed a point guard that had injury history, but nobody expected this, right? You, even if you expected Lonzo to miss some games, see a handful of games, 20 games so every season, I don't think anybody would have expected him to have a injury that we are legitimately asking if he's going to be able to come back to basketball, right? So, you know, the, thing, the fact of the matter is this. We got rid of youth, and we also sent out future picks so we can try to go win now. Not championship contention now. But win now, right? Win games. And you have to ask yourself, 
Had that team gone through their ups and downs naturally, we would have had higher draft picks, would have had more draft picks, would have had more draft capital at this time, and, you know, whatever, woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? But while I'm not somebody who really likes constantly reevaluating every single move, it is what it is now, right? This is where we are, and AK has to find a way that in where we are right now to, to, to still revamp this team and add talent to this team. That is where we are. You cannot take away from that. You cannot hide from that. We cannot have another season of kicking the can down the road and betting on just continuity. We need changes. And so when you look at really where the Bulls sit, the cap, the cap structure, the cap situation, um, one could say with the NBA trying to lessen the penalties of teams that are just a little bit over the luxury tax, maybe that does make it more uh, likely that Jerry Reinsdorf wouldn't approve a season of going into the luxury tax considering Lonzo Ball's situation. One of the biggest reasons why I've been pushing for the career ending injury. Experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code Bull Central, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Exception Instead of the disabled player exception is that it would completely clear Lonzo's contract and the Bulls would not go into the luxury tax by using the $20 million. If they use the disabled player exception, it gives them half Lonzo's contract to go out and sign a guy, but Lonzo's full contract still counts against the cap so that exception would send us into the luxury tax. Now, it remains to be seen how, how much of a penalty it's going to be just to go a little bit into the luxury tax. Like right now, for example, if a team were to sign a guy for $3 million to go into the luxury tax, if they're now $3 million into the luxury tax, they would end up paying close to $9 million on just that $3 million contract. If they do make it less punitive and that $3 million over the salary cap ends up just being more like maybe four and a half. Maybe you can convince Jerry, but then even then, right, it's, again, another could-be possible scenario. At the end of the day, regardless of luxury tax or not, AK has to find a way to improve this team. We have to find a way to solve some of the issues that are going on with this team. And, you know, hopefully we do. Hopefully we can. Um, you know, I'm not as optimistic as what I was with AK and Eversley at one point. I think that luster on them, rightfully so, with having a team that won 8 out of 33 games on the back half of last season and then won only 40 games this season. Um, it, it's rightfully so some of that luster is worn off. But now you have an opportunity to go into this offseason and prove everybody wrong. Get it done. Improve this team. The excuses, you can only have so many of them. Yes, we are a cash-strapped team. Yes, we could have $16 million in cap space by sending everyone away. That's not feasible either. You have to find a way, whether it's by moving players, whether it's by convincing ownership to briefly go into the luxury tax. There's a lot of questions around that. But hopefully... You know, with those issues that I laid out there, we can find some kind of solvent for them. Now, let me know what you guys think on that down below. But before we go, we have to continue our player evaluations. We're trying to get through the whole roster by the end of next week. Um, and today, we're talking about Kobe White. Now, Kobe White season, much like Zach Levine was a teller to have. While Kobe has made improvement, and it's kind of harder with stats to really bring that improvement home unless you watch the games. Kobe White's, just his poise on the court, the defense that he played, 
his ability to get and make some of those um, those plays that change the tide of a game that may not necessarily show up on the t- on the stat sheet has been evident all this season. Kobe White was a more confident player, and that confidence built every single month, week of the season as we went through the season to where we got by the end of that. The, the, the kind of perfect version of that. Now, Kobe's still young, still has room to grow. I can't wait to see what he still adds to this game with another offseason. But Kobe White had an extremely solid season. But looking at the numbers, right? Raw numbers for the season, 9.7 points per game, 44% shooting from the field, 33, 37% shooting from three-point range. He averaged 2.9 rebounds, so basically three. 2.8 assists, close to three again, and almost a steal per game. He had a 57% true shooting percentage and a PER of 12.4, right? And he had a defensive rating of 114.1. Now, Kobe also played the most games that he's ever played in his career. But take those numbers and then look at what he did after the All-Star break. Post-All-Star break, he averaged 11.6 uh, points per game, 4.5 assists, and 3.3 rebounds. He did that on 53% shooting overall from the field and 41% shooting from three-point range. What does that mean? That means that Kobe embraced his role, and he got more comfortable in that role as the season went on. He became a more confident player in his shooting ability, right? And that shot that, that shot selection got better. We start saw, seeing him do things like get to the rim a little bit more, taking players off dribble. Kobe White's confidence grew so much this season, and as we've seen with players that have left the Bulls, once you gain that confidence, the sky starts becoming the limit for you. You start really exceeding kind of some of the expectations and the story of Kobe White as well, right? For a player that last year around the trade deadline, most Bulls fans thought and wanted to see Kobe White go for some size, right? To bring in a, a power forward, to bring in more size to this roster. Now, most a lot of Bulls fans, and I think one of the more common things in the community is hoping that the Bulls can retain Kobe White. I've always said this. This is a reason why you don't give up on young players that still have room to develop. Kobe White is a testament to that. And so, you know, in looking at Kobe White's season, he's the only Bull. Let me be clear. I said on yesterday's episode that I could not give a bull an A considering um, that we were a 40-win team. I'm looking at this now and I'm saying, no, Kobe White and the way that he embraced his role, the way that he grew, the way that he uh, grew that playmaking, his defense, every single aspect of the game, Kobe White has finally become a player that has found a way to impact the game even when his shot isn't falling. And then you add in his shooting and his ability to score on the, after the All-Star break, Kobe White gets an A- minus for me. That's it. He's the only bull, I'm telling you right now, he's the only bull that is going to get an A-level grade for me in these evaluations, and I think it's earned, right? Kobe White, to me, has ha- had such a, a really good season, a season that you, it just completely changed your opinion on Kobe White for most Bulls fans. Keep in mind, I always like to say this and point this out, not to toot my own horn, but just because it's real. My, one of the first videos I ever had on this channel to blow up was the offseason last year, or the season before that I said the Bulls would be crazy to trade Kobe White. And so many people disagreed with me. And now when you look at how Kobe White just turned the conversation around him into a different level, you have to acknowledge that Kobe White is really, I don't want to say saved his career because a young player like that, somebody was always going to give a chance, but he's completely changed the conversation amongst Bulls nation around him. And I, I, I think that earns an A-minus grade. Now, one of the biggest questions in this offseason is, can Kobe White be your starting point guard, right? And that, by that, I mean this, right? I'm not, to me and what I'm saying, I'm not saying that the Bulls should go into the offseason and saying, nope, Kobe's our starter. That's it. We don't have to worry about the point guard position. I think that the Bulls should look to upgrade the point guard position. If they can get a Trey, a Trey Jones, a Mike Conley Jr., if they can get players like that, try to get them. But if you come into the free agency and you can't recruit those guys, 
and you say, hey, we're going to try Kobe out as the starting point guard. We're going to add some depth on the bench. We're going to get a high-level bench player. Fred Van Fleet is another one. If the Bulls can't go out and get him, if he does end up opting out. But if you do say, hey, we struck out on the starting-level point guard situation, let's try to start Kobe. Let's also increase that depth on, in, on the bench with the point guard position. I wouldn't be mad at it. I, I think that while Kobe has shown his ability to play make, it doesn't make him a playmaker. Right. And so that's not ever going to be his strict role. And he's even said that if you look at his postgame conference saying that he initially came in trying to be that. But now he's just going to be him. And that's fine. There's freedom in that. Right. But I do think that to me, Kobe White, not because with the makeup of this roster, I think that Kobe White should be a player that comes off the bench just because it allows him to have more things go through him. It allows him to have the ball in his hands. It allows him to play make. It allows him to not just be this catch and shoot three-point shooter that we tried to turn him into at points that he's never really excelled at just that role. So that's my thought on Kobe White starting. But I can say that if we come out of this offseason with improving size, adding some rebounding, adding some some shot blocking and rim protection, and we we sign a high-level backup point guard and it kind of just thrusts Kobe into that starting-level point guard role, I think you can do a lot worse, right? But I do think that Kobe White does come back here, and regardless of the role, he needs to have a major role on this team. Whether he's starting, coming off the bench, Kobe has shown that he deserves minutes and he deserves opportunities to just go out there, play, make, and score. And so, listen, it's it's been a really fun season to watch the growth of Kobe White. It's been one of the bright sides of this season, and it's been a difficult season. And so, you know, it is what it is, man. Let me know what you guys think down below on Kobe White's overall season. And what do you think about the potential of if we came in, and that's again, if we try to improve the starting level talent but couldn't because people don't want to come here. But if we come out of that with Kobe White as our starting point guard, if he earns that role in training camp, do you think that overall makes the Bulls a better team in that starting line? And let me know what you guys think on that down below. That is it for today's episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you're following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns. BullsCentralPod at gmail.com. And then lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail, the number to do so, 773-242-9336. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See red if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.